1: Your exclusive Twin Cities source for business and investing news. This is the Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley, Minneapolis, St.
0: Paul. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in
1: Washington. The Biden administration is trying to make the case the economy is neither in nor headed for a recession. Here's correspondent Greg Cluxton.
0: Republicans say Thursday's report showing the economy shrank for the second consecutive quarter is evidence of a Biden recession. But the president and his team are going all out to play down that label, pointing instead to low unemployment and strong consumer spending. That doesn't sound like a recession to me. In the April to June quarter, the economy contracted by nearly 1% after shrinking by 1.6% from January to March. Greg Clugston, Washington.
1: More, shy, more shark sightings, more patrols off New York's Long Island.
2: If someone reported one by a bathing area, we'd try to go and see if we can verify the sighting.
1: That's Lieutenant Sean Riley of the New York State Environmental Conservation Police. They're seeing more sharks than usual this year. This is SRN News.
3: How would you like to redecorate your office or home with beautiful Minnesota photographs for half the regular price? This station is partnered with award-winning Twin Cities photographer Wayne Moran for this special half-price offer. Choose $5,000 of Wayne's iconic images and you'll pay half price, just $2,500. There's only one of these special redecorating offers available, so call the radio station now at 651 289 4413. That's 651 289 4413.
0: There are no words to describe it the isolation, the boredom, the loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went, you're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, But school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a
4: game. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Double can be great, like a
3: double rainbow or a double stuffed Oreo. But a bill from a contractor at double the quote, not so much. Early Bird Electric is the electrician you can trust. Jobs done right, on time, always with upfront pricing, so there are no surprises. Surprised? Check out Early Bird Electric's Google reviews and you'll understand. 612, the bird. Mention AM 1280, the Patriot, and your trip charge is free with repair purchase. Early Bird, Minnesota's trusted electrical expert. 612, the
1: bird. Portions of this program may have been
2: prerecorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management.
5: Turn
6: all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show. How about a fresca? Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. He's
0: a strange strange doctor. We finally made it to
4: campus. Well, you are on campus today, and a glorious day it's going to be. Good morning, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you for listening uh, here on the, on the on what is usually a pretty slow day in the calendar of the King Banyan Show. Uh, normally, the fifth Saturday of a month has next to nothing in terms of what the normal pattern ...of a show would be, and so this is sort of my chance to sort of bounce around and do fun, little more arcane topics. (laughs) Not today. Holy heck. We got all kinds of economic news. I'm not just talking about the GDP report. I'm not just talking about recession, which I'm going to spend some time talking to you about. because, Because people who I think to be fairly intelligent um say things say talk about this without i think having a clear understanding of what what is meant by a recession uh and i say that with due respect i understand where where the confusion i think i understand where the confusion comes from i think despite the fact that i believe economists have been trying to be very clear about well no when we say recession this is what we mean by that um we haven't controlled the narrative sufficiently. We haven't actually been able to counteract the combination of politics and journalism that has led us in I, to where I think is a misconception of what it is. Um, so we're going to talk about that. And then, of course, we had the Fed on Wednesday come out. And have you ever, and I think a lot of people kind of ho-hummed through the, um, through the uh, 75 basis point increase. And then cheered when the Fed wasn't clear about saying, "And we think a base case would be for more seventy-five more in September." Uh, Instead, we got much more of the the data dependency than usual, and I think I think we may have seen the legacy of Ben Bernanke buried on Wednesday. And done in such a subtle fashion that I think a lot of people are missing it. But I do think forward guidance, which is part of the Bernanke legacy that was really solidified by uh, by him and later in his term and then by Janet Yellen, to which Jay Powell had been pretty faithful for a while, I think based on... Based on what I think is and I, I would agree is a charitable reading of the of the Federal Reserve, and I tend to be charitable in my reading of it. Based on my charitable reading, I I think he I think they got caught in trying to provide forward guidance at a time when they just simply didn't have enough to guide you on and had to, they got back to in a corner, could not undo the backing, and now have decided that they probably would be better off without that tool. Um, I, for one, am glad the Fed did it. Of all the things Bernanke did, and I tend to be more supportive of Bernanke than than many uh, people who consider themselves center right economists, which I do. Um, I think. I think this is part of Bernanke's legacy that was predictably going to get some future Fed in trouble. It did, and, and luckily I think the damage hasn't been too strong. But, um, <clears throat> by the way, I expect fully over the next few weeks that Bernanke's going to write something about this particular Fed, this particular press conference. And there may be some criticism heading Jay Powell's way from one of his predecessors, which is really unusual in how these things go. But we'll get to that in an hour or two. We got, we've got a ton of data to get through. A ton of data to get through. Um, and, and it all stems out of the GDP report. Uh, but it starts with a GDP report. But it was fed into earlier in the week with what I thought was some very positive data that made me more hopeful that GDP the GDP report was going to be positive than negative and that would have been on the durable goods piece the durable goods numbers came in came in uh, pretty pretty strong Um, came in pretty strong durable goods durable the durable goods numbers were up let me go find you the data for that I actually I actually pulled off that particular um off that particular story so let me go back and find it for you uh but durable goods came in a little bit a little bit earlier than we thought um came in a little bit higher than we thought uh gdp now got lifted on that basis so that the last atlanta fed gdp now number got that was at negative 1.7 came back all the way to negative 1.2 um by the by that by that time by the time we got to by the time we got to the report on Thursday morning so understand i'm going to i'm going to bounce around through the week but i wanted to point out that that you saw positive news earlier in the week and that positive that that positive news came through um and just I'm trying to find that particular piece of uh, um I'm trying to find that particular uh, uh piece it's not nah, I don't have it right now so uh there is there was a positive uh, report on durable goods there was a there was some positivity later on in the week after after the GDP report at least I felt it was positive on the income and consumption data where consumption didn't fall, but it didn't rise and it didn't fall and didn't rise. It was a net zero on core and previous months were lifted up. I think that, if the GDP report is going to be revised, and I know a lot of people say, well it could be revised to a positive number, that'd be really strange. a negative point nine would be a very unusual revision. but as I was talking to Marshall before the show all right i've been I've been either a student of economics or a professor of economics for going on fifty years. I took my first course in economics uh in college back in Back in the fall of 1976. And I got to tell you. I've never seen an economy that looks like this. Um, And using numbers. And using concepts. And using uh, models. That worked in the previous 45 years. Won't necessarily give you good answers. Right now. Um, So. Here's the here's the basis of what it is I want to talk about today. I want to do two things. First I want to run you through the GDP report and say where were the pieces that went up, where are the pieces that went down, right? And and why do I think personally that a lot of I've got three reasons for saying this actually was not a negative GDP report. Um, what, you know, this was not as, this was not a negative GDP report for these reasons. I want to give them to you, um, first. And then what I want to do is I want to deal with this, um, um, I, I want to deal with this question of, of whether or not the two quarters definition, where does it come from? I want to give you the history of that. Because it's interesting. Because it was uttered by an economist, but it was not uttered in, an, in a piece of economic research or in a textbook or anything. It was uttered by an economist to a politician. Politician of whom wanted to have... A, the politician wanted to have a, a reason to run for re-election and with a softening economy didn't want to actually have to deal with the question of their of their approaching a recession it's another democrat so for those of you that want to think about these through your partisan lenses yeah it was another democrat but it's kind of goes you have to go back a ways to to think about think about where that comes from and then the other piece that i want to um i the other piece i wanted to get to uh here is to go through and, uh, and talk about how you calculate gdp remember gdp so let me give you the definition of gdp to start and let's and i'll repeat this after the break but just to start us what is the definite gdp okay i do this from memory because because i've taught it so many years it is the sum total of the value of all goods and services consumed for final use within an economy in a given period of time. Okay, So you have to sum up all the goods. You have to sum the apples and the oranges together. So you have to figure out prices, right? you can't add apples and oranges but you can add the value of apples and the value of oranges together and out of that you can get GDP right but then you have to figure out to get the real GDP number you have to get the balance between how much was an increase in prices and how much was the increase in goods and services produced and that takes a whole lot of assuming and we're going to talk about those assumings right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440.
6: Soaking
1: up the sun in Fiji. Walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis. or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to The Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app.
7: happened. Now I take Relief Factor every day. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference.
5: If you're considering protecting your retirement with gold or silver, listen up. Mark Davis here. One company I trust for this, Advantage Gold, the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. They are so passionate about teaching people how to own physical gold and silver, they've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because they really educate their clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. Call 800 900 800-900-8000. Talk to one of their experts. They can send you a free gold kit along with a free copy of the Wall Street Journal national bestseller, The Great Devaluation. Number again, 800-900-8000. Don't wait any longer. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value, all from Advantage Gold. 800-900-8000 That's 800-900-8000 Call Advantage Gold today 800-900-8000 Advantage
0: Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor Consult with your financial advisor before investing Need
3: new windows but don't want to sit through long, high-pressure sales calls? I get it What if I told you you could get competitive quotes from three contractors after one short meeting with me on any window brand? And it's all free Visit my three quotes online. That's my three quotes. Get that Rack Shack attack,
4: Rack Shack barbecue. Pick it up or take it out, Rackshack2go.com or RackshackDelivery.com. It's so easy. Hey, you've been working hard, half the staff is gone, and your crew needs a lift. Go to Rackshack2go.com for pickup or RackshackDelivery.com and we'll bring it out to you.
7: It's America's food, and the right thing to do. Get that.
4: Lovely, thank Make you. Let me get back to this the King banging show on the Biz 1440. Um, I am uh, super uh, excited by the, some of the questions I get. You know, for example two quarters of GDP decline when does that not a recession it's like well kind of sort of wasn't in 1980 um certainly by the time they measured it it didn't um uh, but uh I, I I did a little little post on 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 a lot of these topics in fact I don't know that I've ever put seventy-five tweets in a five in a seven-day period into the Twitter feed using the hashtag using the hashtag pound KBRS. Uh, I've got uh, my handle is at Banyan Show. You can call six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. Marshall will get you on the on on the uh, on the air. Uh, you know, if you have got a question about this, and uh, you know, if you want to just challenge me, go right ahead. I'm happy to. I'm happy to have this conversation with you about why why it doesn't work why that definition doesn't always work. I have it I have three points to make about this, but let me first just talk about the data that's out there. So we, we here's what we know. We had a significant a significant uh, decline in in uh, inventories in this period inventories reduced when you have a, when you are making sales out of inventories that gdp got counted in a prior quarter and doesn't get counted this quarter right the goal of national income accounting is to count everything that gets produced but count it only once and you count it in the quarter it's made not in the quarter it's sold Okay, you count it in the quarter it's made, not in the quarter it's sold. That's an important distinction. Okay, if you say, if you say then that that the inventory change was part was part of the growth of the economy, you look at final sales. Final sales actually. Um, uh, rose by 1.1%. The impact of inventories on the GDP number was to decrease real GDP in quarter two by 2%. Okay. Now, there was an offsetting. So to make my case, I have to create for you an offsetting uh, um, story. And the offsetting story is the other big change in GDP in quarter two came out of exports. Exports actually grew substantially because we had so much difficulty exporting goods in Q1 because we weren't producing a lot of stuff. The Omicron and Delta waves had led to lower production in Q1. I concede that quarter one, although everyone said, well, it had this weird this, it had it weird that, was economic activity lower in quarter one of 2022 than quarter four of 2021? Seems likely. Although I, I've got some philosophical questions for you coming up uh, in during this hour. Seems likely. But I don't think that you can say that Q1 production was higher. What you can say is Q1 production was lower, but it was a bit of a quirk. It was, a, it was a bit of a quirk. Um, the reason I emphasize, and if you listen to this show for, you know, going on 13 years I've been doing this. If you go back and listen to this show, I often will tell you on GDP reports that real final sales is pretty predictive of what GDP is going to be. It's more It gets some of the noise out. I saw people actually focused on real final sales to domestic purchasers, so they were pulling out the imports piece as well. I'm not as fond of doing it that way, uh, but, but I get that. That number, too, was positive. There's a third number we rely on, but we won't have it for another 45 days, which is gross domestic income. And that gets me to my first philosophical point: What is it we are actually trying to measure with with GDP or GNP or anything like that? Um, so, what is it we are we are trying to measure? What it is what that is is you know? Go back to the definition I gave you, right? The sum total of the value of goods and services produced for final cons- for final use in an economy in a period of time. That's an operational definition. But what do we mean by a recession? Typically, what we say about a recession is, it's a decline in economic activity. Right? When we were sick in quarter one, did we actually engage in less economic activity? Yeah, we did why well what does it mean to do economic activity well economic activity and I, I i tweeted to you this wonderful post that arnold kling did on his blog he has a sub stack and i just recommend you can join it and read just about everything he writes you do not need to subscribe to it and give him money if you want to participate in some of his uh some of his zoom sessions thing you do um but uh, if you just want to read his thoughts, perfectly fine to do that for free. Just you should be reading him. He's really, really good. Um, one of the points that he ma- he makes is is that when we change economic activity, what that means is we're not trading with other people. So, for example, GDP doesn't measure the uh, Production in the household of the person who prepares dinner or cleans the cleans the cleans the house, um, but it does count the production of the uh, if you hire if you hire a maid service for your home, a cleaning service for your home, or if you go out to dinner, those things count in GDP. And so something's missing. Yeah, but economic activity is the transacting between two people. That is the fundamental nature of human action, is the transaction between two people. And so i got to be blunt with you. I don't have any patience for the the argument. And I agree with Arnold about this 100%. I don't have patience for the argument, well, we should be including household production and GDP. It's like, well, one, good luck, right? That's all going to be... Um, I can't use the words, but I can use the acronym SWAG, and you'll know what I mean. There's plenty of stuff in GDP already that is swaggy, but that would be the mother of all swags to try to figure out how much how much production of of how much GDP is produced, and I'm using my air quotes on radio, which you can't see. Uh, how much GDP is produced by in household production? Oh, good luck with that. It's just not going to happen. And I'm just not going to worry about it. GDP measures economic activity. Economic activity is transacting between two people. That's not, that's not what you are saying. <laughs> well, come on. So in the first quarter, we transacted less with other people because we were staying away from other people because we had COVID. Second quarter, I think we're doing that a lot more. We're staying away from the stores, not because of COVID, because, oh, my God, will you look at the prices? But based on the consumption data, we're not staying away from the stores. We might be buying fewer goods and services, and that takes me to the second point. The second piece of GDP that changed substantially was the, sta- the 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 diff the division of GDP between how much of it was higher prices and how much of it was fewer goods and services. And that too is a more scientific swag, but still, it's an estimation process. As um. And I always tell people to uh, I always tell people when when I when, when I, when I uh, have them on how to make the division, how to think about that division. Uh to read um to read this. I'm gonna say let me say it this way. Um US economy contracted for a second straight quarter, writes Peter Buchvar uh from uh, uh bleary capital management. Um U.S. economy contracted for a second straight quarter in Q2 by 9 tenths percent. Much of the drop in Q2, though, relative to expectations on a real basis, was a 7 tenths more than expected price deflator at 8.7 percent. So, I want you to think about that nominal GDP rose by 7.8 percent. If I took the sum value of all goods and services and I just put and I just added them up all the apples all the oranges all the widgets all of it i put it all together what do i get i get something that's on a seasonally adjusted annualized basis 7.8 percent more than it was on that same basis in q1 however i'm saying that 8.7 percent of that's due to prices there's a question of what would have been wrong instead Real final sales up one point one percent, as I mentioned, versus a one point two percent drop in Q one again. So there's more economic activity happening. There's more economic activity going on out there, but because of the difference between in prices and so forth, we're electing to say that on a that the real basis says that they're down nine tenths percent. Do you think we can get that number that precise that the difference between 0.9 and 0 is statistically significant? Well, let's think about that a little more right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440.
2: I'm driving a 2018 Elantra, red, my favorite color. Hi, I'm Rita from St. Paul. Well, when I first walked in, I felt welcomed, and I'd been at a couple other dealerships that uh, I gave an F to, and Justin was the first gentleman to wait on me when I took it in for my first service, and he's been the only person that I've dealt with since then. Can't say enough good things about him. On Christmas Day of last year, I was on the freeway driving home, and all of a sudden, the red light came on, and the right front tire, was low. And the next day I called and Justin answered. He said, only take a look at it and go in the waiting room and, and I'll get back to you. They found that there was a huge nail in the tire. And so he was able to get that all fixed up and replaced and sent me on my way home. Grove Hyundai was very welcoming. Service was Excellent.
5: Invergrove Hyundai's service technicians are ready for you no
1: matter what kind of vehicle you drive. Open 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekdays. Call them today or schedule your appointment at InvergroveHyundai.com.
5: Dad, why do you get so many phone calls?
1: Well, son, many people need help with their homes after a bad storm. I want to be available to answer their calls no matter the day.
5: Bad weather doesn't know it's Sunday, right? You know what? I want to be just like you when I grew up so I can help people too.
1: Hi, I'm Alex, sales manager at Estate Claims Services. You know, I share that fond memory of a conversation with my son to show Estate Claims Services' commitment to our customers. We know storms don't wear a watch. You may not be available during our normal office hours, but relax, knowing that whenever you call, we're going to answer. It's the same with all our customers, because when you hire us to repair the storm damage on your home, you're working with a local Twin Cities company. We're not a storm chasing company. We're here when you need us and we'll be around long after the work is finished. Check us out online at estateclaimservices.com. Estate Claim Services, your local, available anytime storm repair company. Search Estate Claim Services online today. Call my dad today.
4: Welcome back, King Bing Show, the Biz 1440. By the way, I wanted to thank uh, Marshall for playing the little Bonnie right there. I mentioned to him last night she was at the Ledge. Beautiful a little outdoor amphitheater, seats about 2,500 people. Um, uh, in over in Wake Park, it's about 15 minutes from my house, and um, we went over we went over last night. Mavis Staples uh was up there. Mavis is 83, uh, but Bonnie Raitt, 72 herself, and not missing a thing from that voice or from that slide guitar, um, or 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 her finger picking is still just as crisp as ever. Um, it was a fabulous, fabulous concert. Um, uh, I understand her next stops in Sioux Falls. If you happen to be listening to us over the internet and, uh, are in the, are, are in the Sioux Falls region, if there's still a ticket, you should go. She's really, she, it's just as good as ever. Uh, I'm very happy to, ha- very happy to have her there. And also I just, I will tell you, um, uh, and I, I actually am on the board of a different theater than the ledge, but if you can go see a show there uh um I, I, I they've got there's a few shows still left on their schedule before they get to uh the end of the season because of course they can't show you you don't go to outdoor theaters in uh in the in the uh in the winter time here but um uh yeah they've got a they've got a few good shows uh coming in coming into town um over the next couple months that are going to be worth your time but gosh it was just it was so good to so good to see her out there. Um, very well connected, by the way, to uh, Minnesota. Her her brother lived up here and was a sound engineer for many years before uh, before uh, passing away ten years ago, twelve years ago, something like that. Uh, but um, yeah, Bonnie Raitt is uh, actually actually got uh, pretty strong Minnesota connections. Uh, six, five, one, two, eight, nine, four, four, seven, seven. number to call with your questions and comments. Thank you for, thank you for your listening today. Let me, let me play a couple cuts for you. Um, um, first of all, I want to play, I, I want to play for you, uh, Amrita Sen. Um, she is, uh, the chief of research for, an advising firm called Energy Aspects. And one of the things she's talking about is the fact that, that, you know, and I get asked. I often get asked. In fact, I'm doing some. I'm doing a radio hit on Monday morning, where this I do this once a month, and this guy is always asking about gas prices, and the gas prices are well down, and yet at the same time, it doesn't look like demand is really down that much, as um, as Ms. Sen says. Let's play this cut number fourteen, Marshall.
5: So I think there's a couple of things, right? There is uh, what we would call a technical recession, uh, which is what the U.S. is in right now with with the second quarter GDP numbers that have come out. But in terms of oil demand, I mean, employment matters a lot more uh, and we are really not seeing the kind of GDP, or sorry, rather oil demand declines that you would expect um, from a a kind of deep recessionary environment. So I I do think it's important to put the GDP declines in context for the oil market. I think that's the first thing. Uh, The second thing, is that there still is a lot of pent-up savings and demand due to COVID. And we've talked about this before as well. Asia in particular still seeing very, very strong demand growth numbers out of there. So overall, I mean, we have already factored in some really steep declines in our European demand numbers and U.S. demand numbers from Q4 onwards this year.
4: So if you take the – so a couple of things that um, uh, Sen says there – First of all, the U.S. savings rate reported in June uh, yesterday in the personal income data is down to five point one percent. So that's the lowest since two thousand nine. So households are still willing to go out and spend. And you know, when she mentions Asia, I'll just i just point out um, a big problem, particularly in China, has always been the fact for the in terms of. If you're a Chinese government official trying to manage your economy, one of the big issues you have is the fact that Chinese families have tons of savings. They have that because there isn't anything approaching the type of uh, pension and old age support system that you have in in Europe or the United States or or elsewhere or, or Canada. So they have to engage in a lot of private savings. That private savings can be dug into to smooth out your consumption. Now, this is the permanent income hypothesis of Milton Friedman from from uh, gosh now seventy years ago, um, and that that pers- that particular bit of um, uh, of uh, theory is applying here. People do not seem to believe that these blips in supply and demand that we're seeing right now are changing their willingness to interact with others, and so they're willing to dig into their savings to do so. Question, how do I actually describe a recession in which consumers are still willing to spend as much as as they are right now? Oh, Professor,
2: may may I interrupt you? Yes, uh, because I want to ask you on two points. One... You have to have oil to simply keep your car going. Uh, Mm -hmm. My pilot uh, doesn't run on fumes. And two, you just mentioned China. I'm going to bring up a new subject that I'd love you to address at some point. Is China in a recession itself?
4: Hmm. I I don't. (sighs) Is China a recession itself? Yes, in the sense that. If you go back to what I was talking about uh, in the previous segment, Marshall, if you, think about, if you think about economic activity, generally speaking, as being two humans interacting, what are the Chinese doing in various cities? They're preventing humans from interacting, literally using military force. They are telling, you know, the chorus of power of the state, they are locking down various cities. So to me, if you take my definition and I say the United States didn't really have a recession, you know, of any significant length, then I would come back to you and say then you'd have to sort of say China did because their lockdowns are still going on right now. You're still seeing it in various cities. Um, Looks like Shanghai, which is the largest producer uh, regionally within China, Appears to have, I mean, not citywide, okay, with 25 million people, but in various parts of the city, millions of people are being prevented from interacting with others. So, yeah. So the answer to your question would be, yeah, I think China is in a recession. I appreciate or I, that. As, as much as I think the U.S. is, I think China is. Uh, I, I, I would say I've got a better case to make for China, in fact, than I have for the United States. So that's one point I would make. Uh, let's go back to our cuts. This was this was uh, Megan Swiber. She is uh, a strategist uh, for Bank of America Global Research, a uh, U.S. rate strategist. Um, she was she was uh, on uh, on I believe this would have been uh, on CNBC uh, Thursday. Also, no, no, no. This was on this was on Bloomberg. And she was uh, talking about this. Let's play. She's got. We got two short cuts of her. Let's play cut number fifteen.
6: Yeah, you know, I I think so. Our economists generally believe that we're going to be landing ourselves in a recession by the end of this year. Whether or not Q two puts us there, you know, is is a moot point. Um, One thing that we haven't really seen slow yet, of course, is the employment data. That's likely to come in. In our expectation, probably more so in in the in the coming months.
4: Right. And, and and that's that's sort of the standard way we think about recessions is that and, and this gets me to this gets me to talk about this particular piece here um, is that we look for multiple factors in trying to understand what recessions are. So she's engaged in this as well. Let's go ahead and play her out. Cut number 16.
6: Yeah. So right now, people are really trying to keep up with the increases in prices that we're seeing across oil, food, um, clothing. Uh, and at some point, they're going to have to shift their spending to discretionary things, right? Currently, people are trying to take that summer vacation, enjoy, enjoy the, the, the cup in the next few months. But once we move to the fall period, that's really when we're going to anticipate the slowing in spending on services.
4: Right. So that's a forecast. And, and, and I think that's a sort of a standard forecast. And by the way, I'll, I'll play it a little bit. That's a forecast that I think the Fed is looking for the fed likes what it hears when it hears uh Ms. swiber speak in that way but let's get at this point about two quarters two quarters of, of recession that is in fact if you follow my twitter feed my multiple to my multiple twitter feed um uh you can read various pieces i'll retweet this um uh across it, it, across various places you can see that most economists have said and i've tweeted out a couple a couple of pieces like the us nber's business cycle dating committee okay um because a recession uh because a recession influences the economy broadly is not confined to one sector the committee emphasizes economy-wide measures of economic activity um the committee gives relatively little weight to real GDP because it is only measured quarterly, and it is subject to continuing large revisions. And so that's the caution that NBER and most economists would give you. And I went and found and, and dug around a bunch of textbooks, and I read some textbooks and, and that I think made it look too much like two quarters was a reliable definition. And I've actually seen some of my, my colleagues down, down the hall in the economics department sort of say, yeah, we've used this. I think of it as a colloquialism. We say it, we, we use it, but it actually, I believe, springs out of a single place that was used back in the 1960s. Arthur Oaken, who was the head of the Council of Economic Advisors for Lyndon Johnson, in 1967, has to talk, in the fall of 1967, the economy was softening and LBJ was concerned that he might have to run for re-election in an economy that was going into a recession in 1968. And they had had some uh, some weird data and because I'm looking at the clock, I can't give you all that data right now. Um, Oaken told Lyndon Johnson and his political advisors, he said indications that he he said had the neat idea that if we had a definition of recession, which meant that people could say that we are not actually in a recession, not technically, that would get the president out of difficulty. So, on the back of an envelope, he invented the idea that in order to call a recession, you had to have had two consecutive quarters of negative growth. So, Arthur Oaken advising LBJ is the origin story. ...for this two-quarter piece. It never came out of NBER. It never came out of a generally accepted definition... ...that economists use. It was a story spun by, an, by a, a a reelect campaign... ...you know, 55 years ago. And 55 years ago. And we're still relying on it today? It seems quite strange... I'll tweet the uh, source of that story to you uh, during the break here. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440.
1: The Biz 1440, KYCR Golden Valley.
3: Hi, this is Randy with RB's computer service. You have heard me advertise on this and other stations for years and have trusted us for your IT needs. And I thank you for that. We now have an immediate need for a network server tech in our organization. If you or someone you know has a year or more business experience supporting these environments and is looking to work for a company like ours, I would like to speak with you. We are very competitive with other large companies for pay and benefits, including health and retirement planning. But because we are smaller, our environment is friendly and more flexible than some of the larger IT companies. You can do your job and it can actually be fun doing so working for us call me today to determine if you have the requirements for the position so we can move forward and you can become part of our team we can be reached at 763-441-3884 or you can email me randy at rbsmn.com i look forward to hearing from you
2: giving your computer problems the boot rb's computer service This message brought to you by the National Police Association. To learn more about how to help law enforcement accomplish its goals, visit nationalpolice.org.
6: The power of the Christian education is that our children can make their decisions and their sound decisions, and it just makes them better adults.
0: Hi, I'm Jeff.
6: Hi, I'm Trish,
2: and we're from Oakdale. Jeff and Trish use the half-off tuition program for both of their sons' Christian education. That's half price for the first year of tuition at participating Twin Cities schools.
6: The half-off tuition program was better than we could have ever imagined for our family.
2: Details at
6: TwinCitiesTuitions.com iBelieve.com helps women wrestle with the deeper issues of their faith. Drop by for blogs and daily devotionals for women, plus articles on relationships, health and beauty, parenting, and more at iBelieve.com, a division of Salem Media Group. iBelieve.com
1: Sightseeing in Ferris, at the Mall in Bloomington, or on horseback in Dallas. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app.
4: Welcome back, King Banging Show. The Biz, fourteen forty. Thank you for, thank you for uh, listening to us. Um, look, here's the. I'm gonna. We're gonna. You know what? I'm gonna actually do it this way. Um, the data of the week again. Durable goods consumption was up in June. The personal income data was up, although largely, probably or largely probably was uh, consumed by higher prices. The savings rate fell, so that we're now down to a savings rate of five percent, which again we haven't been there since the great financial crisis. Um, I'm not. I, I was listening to, to a couple of arguments about this. I think if you try to argue with with people outside of the folks that do business cycle analysis, which I've taught for over 30 years, I think you're going to lose the argument. And I've realized when I'm saying this, I'm I'm not going to win an argument with people who say we're in a recession right now because that's in part based on your own feelings. Right? I'm observing that or I learned this rule of thumb, I like this rule of thumb. It's a it's good to use. But the problem is we don't we don't really have a definition for inflation. Okay? So I I'm casting what I'm doing is I'm casting doubt on the 2 quarter rule in part by saying it was something that was an invention of a single economist, which many ideas are, but it was motivated by a motivated by a desire to give political advice to a sitting president facing re-election what i am not saying and i want to be very clear about this i'm not saying there isn't a recession i'm not saying that when nber finally dates the recession that it won't put the date sometime in the first half of 2022 it very well might but as I, t- tweeted to f- as I tweeted out the hashtag pound KBRS, yesterday I posted a little spreadsheet I have on business cycles. And I can tell you the date between when a business cycle peak is hit, meaning the start of a recession. The average months from that to when the NBR makes a declaration is seven and a half months. And meaning that if it started in the first quarter of 2022, or the second quarter of 2022, we're likely going to know before before the end of 2022. Now, obviously, I'm aware of the calendar politically. I understand that people want to have that said and use that in a political argument. That's why the two-quarter rule was created, was for a political argument. It's now just being used, it's now, it's now going to be used again in the same side. I will also note, I think this is the first, I think, this is the first um, time you, in 40 years you've actually had a Democrat president with two-quarters negative GDP and so it does seem like these get used that way i understand that my point is different my point is we do, a we don't know b what we a single number to try to describe the millions upon millions of transactions that constitute economic activity is you know is something that particularly if you're like me someone with austrian I, have, I, I call them Austrian adjacent tendencies. If you like your Mises and Hayek just a little bit, you're not a fan of GDP numbers. So why would you rely on them? And particularly when they're small like this, okay, that are subject to revision. I don't think you're going to get a revision that takes it to zero, but would I be shocked if that happened? No, I'd be surprised, not shocked. I just want to want people to understand that, that how we think about economic activity and how we think about, about recessions cannot and should not, theoretically, philosophically, operationally, be thought about as being handled by a single number. That is the part that, to me, makes the least sense of all. You can't measure GDP that accurately. GDP measures some economic activity, not others. Um, and and in a world, and I have to agree, in a world where the labor market does as well as it's doing right now, you cannot possibly say, I, and I don't think the NBER will say, that we entered a recession in the first half. But I don't know that. They might. It might be because we're going to get some revised employment data in the next in the next few um, in the next few months that might change our minds about when this thing started. But we'll see. Next hour coming up, the Federal Reserve changes course in a way that was kind of sneaky right after this King Banyan show, The Biz 14:40. Dr. Go-
6: From up-to-the-minute analytic reports, an insight to managing every aspect of your digital and marketing needs.
1: So let's turn up the volume on your business. Get started with Salem Surround today. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new
2: customers.
7: And cyberspace. And
1: I'm proud to be a member.
3: And I'm
7: proud to serve in the United States. And I'm proud
1: to protect
2: our country.
6: Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve.
0: AF Reserve.